Paramount Pictures presents... Just want to serve my country. Be the best fighter pilot in Navy, sir. The finest. For five weeks, you're going to fly against the best fighter pilots in the world. The fastest. Because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe. That's right. The bravest. What you do up there, it's dangerous. A movie about being the best. You figured it out yet? What's that? Who's the best pilot? Tom Cruise, Kelly McGillis, Top Gun, rated PG. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Topcun Wilson. That's my, that's, is that my call sign? Just Top Gun? Yep, Tyler Top Gun Wilson. <laughs> well, that would be, imagine if you went to the Top Gun, like you made it to the Top Gun Academy or whatever, uh-huh. and you went in there, like everybody's got their call sign, and this guy comes in, he's like, what's your call sign? Oh, it's just Top Gun? It's Top Gun. And they'd be like, get the hell out of here, you. We are going to be talking about Top Gun today from 1986. It's the summer of Brockheimer. Brockheimer. Jerry Brockheimer Aww. produced movies all summer long. We're going so far in order, kind of. We skipped maybe something. I don't know. Whatever. 1986, Top Gun. Top Gun. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. We are two old millennials because we're millennials, but we're old. And we go back and we rewatch movies from our growing up period of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. That's right. That's the podcast. It is. And we also spend the first half of the podcast talking about what we're watching today. Half is sometimes it's half sometimes it's, it's if we usually half it's if 30 we, minutes if of we, you talking about what you're watching if, recently if we if we would record a little bit more often i'd have less to talk about you'd have fewer movies to talk about yeah. but you would have plenty to say why would you say that because you're chatty kathy i'm not a chatty kathy you're chatty the, is the phrase chatty kathy sexist I feel um, like it is. is it indicative of talkative girls with ADHD? You know, the thing is, is that I've always, uh, I, I more often will use that phrase with a, with a dude. I'm just wondering if, it, it's not sexist That makes if we, you feel even more sexist. It's not sexist if you can appropriately, like, add a, like, a, a, mo- a boy's name to this. Like, uh, like, to make, to even it out so that you can... Chatty uh, Timmy? Yeah, interchange. But see, that's not as, ca- not as catchy. Chatty Tyler? Yeah, I don't know. Is it from, like, is it a doll? Is that why it's cat- Chatty well, Kathy? What was the um, what was the planes, trains, and automobiles? That might have been a You're Chatty like Kathy. You're like a fucking doll. Ah, ah, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, it could be a doll, and now we're just being really dumb, and that's why there the phrase came from. It's Chatty Kathy doll. Yeah, I think that's why. Is a pole string talking doll originally created by Ruth and Elliot Handler, and manufactured by the Mattel Toy Company from 1959 to 1965. It's okay because I interchange that comment. I sometimes will call someone a Chatty Kathy. And then I'll go more of a, a masculine way and call them a, you're a talkative little douche. Yeah, that's not a thing people say, though. <sighs> okay. So I think the doll Chatty Kathy from 1959 to 1965, we can go ahead and assume is fucking sexist. I guess. I so know. I think I'm going to stop saying it. Why don't you just call him a talk- talkative little douche? Uh, that doesn't click. You're going to have to come up with something better. Anyway, so... What are we talking about today? First, we're going to talk about what we've been watching recently, and yeah. you've uh, laid out a nice list for us here. Have we been do- watching stuff? Oh, yeah, we've Jesus, watched a few look of at this list things. of things. Holy cow. Yeah, we've been watching a few things. Okay. Some of it you fell asleep in, so that's okay. I didn't. I don't do that. You don't. Only don't lamos do who, who are lame do that. Only lamos who are lame 
who live in lame places. So the first movie that we uh, is on the list here was one you were looking forward to. Yeah, by Lin Manuel. Lin Manuel Miranda's. Uh, well, it's yeah. I mean, he's in it a little bit, and he wrote it originally the stage show, but it's in the Heights. In the Heights, which is a stage production he wrote and produced before Hamilton. And um, it's weird to talk about. Like, there's a couple movies on the list that have like this. Uh, it's weird to talk about in the Heights because it is since since we watched it, not performed very well at the box office, has gotten uh, a lot of uh, random controversy for some of its casting choices. And yeah, it's just weird. It's weird how a movie. I think it's a little bit. You know, I don't even. I actually don't really have an opinion uh, on the any of the controversy stuff. I just it's fascinating to see a movie that is just uh, so joyful mm-hmm. and really good be kind of just talked about in one way now, which is a little disappointing because it's it's actually pretty good. It's a good movie. Uh, John M. Chu uh, directed it. He did Crazy Rich Asians, and I feel like um, this is a big. You know, he's had like musical type stuff before, but this is like a real like. Um, this is a showcase for his talent. I thought it was just uh, everything was just so big and lively and colorful and staged uh, extravagantly. Um, it just, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's obviously as strong of a work as Hamilton, but um, music's still really good. It's a lot of Latin influence in it. Um, yeah, I just I really liked it. Um, you know. Well, I can't do anything about how they cast the movie. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it's so strange to observe your affinity for musicals now, considering when we were recording this podcast, we were talking like two years ago. We were having this discussion of like, why do you not like musicals? Well, I like some. Like- I, I mean, yeah, I liked a few musicals. I liked I liked Hamilton. I liked like Sh- the Chicago movie. Mm-hmm. But then it was very little, few and far between in terms of ones I've really clicked with. And now I've seen what I think is that I've done. I've done my homework. I've done some yes, work, and I've learned. realized what I like, what I don't like, and I've, um, and you know, grown I've grown to appreciate a lot yeah, of. Yeah, you have a new perspective on it than than before. I mean, I famously in the last, not I don't think it was last year, but two years ago, went from like. Thinking like, ah, West Side Story, you know, whatever, to like watching West Side Story again and being like, I think this is the greatest movie ever. Mm-hmm. Not the greatest movie ever, but like damn close. It's mm-hmm. amazing, right? And so like to have that kind of shift, I think probably wouldn't have happened had I not been doing a lot of other viewing of other things mm-hmm. too. So the only criticism I had of In the Heights was of the, the hour you watched. Yeah, was <laughs> you the... fell asleep and then went to bed because you were very. To be fair, you were very tired. I always. It am. wasn't really the movie's fault. I don't think. The one criticism I have is the framing of it. I don't like it when movies are told by, like, telling a story to a child. It's like a fucking pet peeve of mine. It's a new... That's an addition to the movie, too. Um, I think that part actually absolutely doesn't work. I wish it was not in the movie. Just cut it out and just start in the story. You don't have to be like, back in the day, Chad, I'm telling this story. There's a narrative purpose to it, but it's not good enough to justify what it does. And it's already a movie that is, like... A shade too long, a little yeah. bit. Like it, it wouldn't have been that problem if you had just kind of cut that. Um, yeah, and it, so. it's uh, yeah. So that's my one criticism. Um, I really like the you know honestly though I, I I like I like the performances in the movie. I think uh, Anthony Ramos, who was in the Hamilton show, uh, is the lead here. I think he's really good. Um, the all all the other characters are all the main th- other three actors are I think really strong in the movie. Um, even like Jimmy Smith is pretty good in it. Uh, wouldn't Why have do you guess say that. that like, well, I just, you don't think of Jimmy Smith as a guy who can like be in a musical or sing, but he's, he's quite capable and enjoyable in the movie. The grandma in the movie is uh, a holdover from the stage show. She's excellent. Um, she's oh, got she a is. really, the ab- abuela, she who's not really anyone's actual grandma. Nope. She's like the 
the neighborhood's grandma. She's got, I think you might have gone to bed, which she does have a really great number. Um, kind of like back half, middle back half oh, of the movie. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I, I just like, you know, I know some people don't like like the pool sequence, but I think that thing is just like extravagant and huge and great. Like hey, I yeah, just. I enjoyed that. That was fun to watch. Yeah. It, it was, it was, I thought it was great. I think, um, you know, people should watch it, yep. especially if you like musicals. I think, you know, it can you can I think that whatever however you feel about um, the casting element and whether or not there's some colorism involved in the production aspect of it I think uh, you can have that conversation and still really appreciate the movie and like the movie I don't know that's yeah. my feelings on it anyway excellent yeah all right, so that's on HBO Max. Or in theaters. I wish I had seen that one in theaters, but I don't know. We live around a lot of people who don't want to get vaccinated, so that's fine. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> and also, we have four kids, and even finding a babysitter in oh, yeah, general babysitter. is not the easiest. Um, also on HBO Max, we watched The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. So I had a friend, a co-worker, who watched this and went to the theater yeah. and loved it. So this In is the funny. theater, yeah. This is funny. He goes, oh, yeah, I saw, went to a movie, I saw The Second Conjuring, and I loved it. And I was like, well, it's, it's the a, third one. It's the third one, yeah. And I didn't want to be an asshole, but it's not good. Um, It's just, it's a product of diminishing returns, I feel like. I think um, the first Conjuring movie, I think uh, you made a list at some point. That was, like, your favorite movie it of that year. It was my top movie of that year. And I want to say number one. And it's very... I mean, it's very scary. It's it's uh, uh, probably the best of the genre in recent years, I would say. Mm -hmm. The sequel is very much, like, kind of a copy a little bit. It's mm -hmm. um, not as good. This one is not directed by James Wan. I think that is very indicative. It's not as well-directed, I don't think. Agreed. Um, it changes the format, I mean, it, which I kind of appreciate. Um, you know, it's not straight just doing like a straight kind of haunted house uh, possession type story. It kind of gets opened up. There's an investigation only because like the, the quote unquote true story they hinge the beginning off of kind of has a very specific endpoint. Like mm -hmm. someone goes to jail and like, well, okay, like mm -hmm. like the, I mean, there's nothing else to tell. I mean, really. So they have to kind of go into this different direction. Um, and I just don't think it really, it just feels like they were just trying to find ways to add scares and it just didn't feel organic, I guess. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I'm the person you, this movie is for. Yeah. I like this witchy supernatural kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I felt like I've seen better supernatural episodes about, about this content. I love the two actors in it. I think that they are still good. Um, Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. These are, they um, look like they're enjoying playing the roles. Though. I really like it. Well, I yeah, I, I, I just, I like their dynamic. I think it is a unique relationship on screen. I mean, yes, they are based on real people. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't personally subscribe to any of their, close to any of their claims of their work. <gasps> what? I just, whatever. Come on, um, Tyler. Like, they, you know, whatever. But that's not, to me, that's not, I don't care. Like, I just like the idea of, like, here are some, like, ghost hunters slash one's a psychic slash they exercise people and like that's kind of a fun dynamic to explore in a relation you know in a marriage and then also you know all these movies are kind of period pieces they're moving up in timeline so all of that is kind of unique and and enjoyable to watch in that mm -hmm. regard and i would watch them i i kind of wish they would i don't think they're gonna do anymore but um i would watch them like those characters even if they didn't like do like story like cases they you know really worked on yeah. and just had kept going i'd like yes. that but 
you know, maybe not, because this one was definitely, like, the weakest of the three. Agreed. I just the, didn't find it very scary or exciting or anything, so. No, I think the smartest part that you were tuned out and missed that I enjoy the most was... Was I going to the bathroom? It's something. On your phone, probably. <laughs> it wasn't on my phone. I don't watch... It wasn't sure. Um, was it on my phone? Was the one of the characters is accused of something, and so they're trying to convince a lawyer to I defend saw that part. him. And she is like, I don't believe in this supernatural ghosty shit. And they're like, oh, well, why don't you come over to our place, and if you still don't believe, um, after you meet Annabelle, if you still don't believe doll, in it, yeah. then you don't have to take the case. And then they, they smartly don't show the scene. They just cut to the next scene of her in the courtroom, clearly terrified out of her fucking mind, and definitely taking the case. So I like that, too, and it's kind of a funny moment, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also weird in a movie that, like, has to make up a lot of crazy things to add scares later, uh -huh. like why they didn't just have an aside where they took her to meet the doll. I, that's yeah. honestly like almost kind of curious, a weird choice. Makes me curious if they like tried it and then like it didn't work. Yeah, and I, you know, when I say this is the weakest of the con of the main line, I haven't actually I've seen none of the spinoffs. The two, there's two Annabelle movies. There's the Curse of La Llorona. The Nun. I haven't seen any of those. So, because uh, you know why they looked like eh, they're offshoots. You're not yeah. even gonna give me the main actors. Yeah. I'm out of here. I'm not I'm doing out. it. So, anyway. All right. So, that's The Conjuring. Devil Made Me Do It on HBO Max. Okay. If you're into that, watch it. It's in the theaters, too. Okay. Then the next couple we watched on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, so, we watched, um, I guess the first of the two was Rye and the Last Dragon, which has been out on the premium, like, $30 level since March, but we didn't pull the trigger yeah, on I'm that. I'm not paying $30 for a kid's movie. Well, we're going to pay it for Black Widow in a couple weeks. But, like, uh, like why $30? That's the price, man. Twenty dollars, nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I know. I agree, and that's. I mean, we nobody in our house was real excited about Ryan the Last Dragon on the surface, so we just decided to wait. So we watched it when it finally just went to regular Disney Plus, and it's fine, right? Yeah, it was good. It was fine. It wasn't great. It was good. No, I thought like some of the visual style was really cool. Um, I liked. You know the, the the dragon aspect of it, and how the dragons looked, and kind of the relationship that Raya has with the dragon. The dragon is um, Aquafina, um, and the lead actress is now. I think I can't think of her name. It's she's Rose from the Star Wars movies. Kelly Marie Tran is that right? Yeah. Uh, you know she's good. I liked some aspects of it, but like overall, it just didn't. Um, I don't know. It kind of it, it it failed to kind of build a strong like emotional narrative i felt like serviceable had some decent like fight type stuff in it but nothing not that special. ninja baby there was a ninja baby and that was so cool that was awesome oddly like the person in our house i liked it the most was our six-year-old uh, daughter i know she was we were like we had all finished dinner she's the slowest eater in the fucking world yeah so she's still finishing her dinner and then she sat at the kitchen table watching it the whole movie and then constant commentary she was making comments she was like oh she's doing this and oh that guy's that and she was very into it but she's not a rewatcher like some of the other kids so you know other than like frozen yeah uh, and but frozen I bet if too. i turn it on she'd sit down and watch yeah. it again so. i i enjoyed it i liked the little ragtag team they put together and the unexpected character behavior of that of each of them that joined the team yeah i mean like i don't i don't i'm not ragging on it i just didn't i thought it was fine <laughs> You know what I mean? 
I did want there to be a romance between two of the girl characters. Like the main, the, character. the main villain and the antagonist? Yes. Because they were vibing on each other at the beginning, man. I mean, immediately, even when they were like eight-year-old, like earlier in the first scene when they're like kids, you're like, oh, there's some tension there. There's yeah, some... and then later there's just, they're vibing on each other oh, a little bit. Oh, yeah. So we're I'm like, just okay, saying. there's uh, definitely something there. Speaking of vibing, people really wanted the kids in uh, Luca to be doing that too, like Call Me By Your Name, because that's what the first trailer uh, said. Um, Luca is the Pixar movie that just came out on Disney Plus. It's still weird to think that they're dropping uh, like a brand new Pixar movie on Disney Plus without the premium price. I know I that's know. caused some ruckus in the studio, but so, yeah, like Raya's premium and then Luca's not. It's I don't confusing. know. I'm not sure why that is. Um, because like Pixar, I mean, in general, if it's not a Frozen title, like the Pixar movies are generally better. Um. I'm happy because I didn't have to pay, and it's the new Pixar movie. They gave a yes. soul at December, which was also very good. Um, and Luca is, um, I don't know, I, I it has good reviews, but it's got, like, these reviews that are just like, well, yeah, it's good, but, you know, it's not, it's slight. It's not like, it's Pixar light. It's not going for anything, uh, pu- like, uh, existential or something like that. And I, I just, I'm struggling with, like, how we rank and discuss Pixar movies now. It's just, Mm -hmm. like, assume that they have to be masterful, like, think pieces for both kids and adults, like... And Soul feeds into that, right? Because Soul is about, like, a soul, like, Mm -hmm. finding your purpose in life, and it's about a middle-aged man, right? At at the extreme, And and I, I, listen, I like that movie, but, um, I don't know, like, I think there's room for Pixar to just make certain kind, like, different kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. And Luca is one that is... A movie about kids, and it's kind of for kids. And there's some good, there's some deeper ideas in it, which I really appreciated. But like the conflict, like surface level conflict, the story is like, yeah, these kids want to win a bike race. Yeah. And I don't know, like I just think that that's okay. We can have movies like that. And in, and what was odd is that I watched this, and I just kind of appreciated how, um, you know, simple it was in terms of just like focusing on a couple of characters and mm-hmm. really, really three characters and just kind of exploring a friendship. And then uh, oddly, I was just, I was surprised at how much I kind of fell into their conflict and thought that the ending was quite emotionally satisfying and had a lot to say in a very small, simple way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I liked it more than I liked Soul and I liked it more than Onward, movies that I like. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think in taking a, a, mer- a very, like, straightforward approach in terms of, like, nothing... Yes, it's about, like sea creatures that can live on it's earth it's a little mermaid story right but it's not fantastical other than that like it it doesn't you know offer giant action scenes or i don't know there big... was pretty big act the bike race itself is it's, a pretty good action but it's scene. a bike race and it's a swimming it's a race triathlon. yeah it's a triathlon <laughs> they eat pasta too um i just i don't know i really came to appreciate that um that relationship and what the movie was about had to say. I really liked it. I thought it was one of their stronger efforts. I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, what do you want me to say? I think it's really good. It's irritating that it's being categorized or identified as a slight or small movie because there are big emotional issues in this movie. Abandonment by a parent. Yeah. Div- I mean, a girl who I like also how they didn't kill. There's, you know, a, a single dad and you're like, Oh God, dead mom brought in the well- story. They don't even really deal with that. It just doesn't... Anna- like, I don't know. I, I think when... Um, you know, the Toy Story movies have a reputation of being about, like, existential type things, right? And then you have Inside Out and you have... Um, uh, uh, um, 
up with its you know beginning of that movie and it's and the coming of age. You know, there's big movie, weighty type things going on, right? And so I think that people get locked into like what a Pixar movie should be in terms of like universal themes, whereas this has universal. Yeah, I think themes, it does. Just now, not. now what I alluded to before um, when the trailer came out. Um, the first trailer, there was like a lot of people on the internet being like, "Call me by your name." It's got that "Call you, call me by your what name." Is but call you by your name. You didn't see that movie. It's very good. It's a, a romance between a well, it was, it's an older man and kind of like a, a a teenager who kind of have a romance, a, a homosexual relationship, and it's set in the in lighthouse a, one. No, 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 no. Which That's, one is this? It's called "Call Me by Your Name." It came out a couple. Timothy um, Chalamet. And uh, uh, Army Hammer, who we, you know, <laughs> Army Hammer's not really making uh, movies anymore. 1980s uh, Italy. Yeah. So same kind of location, right? Um, and so, you know, a lot of people were getting, you know, they were connecting the dots. And then, you know, I think there's a little bit of, con- not, there's no controversy so much as just like, you know, the filmmakers had to come out and say like, well, this is a movie about kids. There's no undercurrent of a relationship here. We're not trying to say that, right? And I think that... In saying that, it kind of deflated what some people saw as a message in the movie. Like, maybe it could be about that. But then, like, you know, there's other people like, how dare you make it about, like, uh, a, a relationship like that when it's about kids? And then the other argument is, is like, well, it can be that also with, you know, anyway. I think that the movie, um, and I, I kind of settled on this um, after reading a few articles, kind of on both sides a little bit. Just like, was it okay? Should the filmmakers have even said anything? Should it have let it stand mm-hmm. on its own? Is there a risk that Disney's never going to let them do that because Disney's still the quote unquote wholesome, you know, uh, you know, conservative wholesome, you know, family concept idea? Although I think that they are trying to make efforts to not just be that image a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think that. There are some obvious themes of differentism in the movie that are pretty significant. I mean, they're obvious. They're sea monsters, and they can't... People are afraid of them, mm-hmm. and people don't like them because they're different. Yep. And I think that that can be applied to a lot of different things fairly, mm-hmm. and I think you can really read into that in a certain way, and I, there is one scene in particular um, that I won't spoil, but... There's a very, like, devastating little moment in the... Like, right in the toward the end of this movie where... A character does something in reaction to something else happening. It's a little bit of betrayal. Yeah, and it is like I don't know. I it, it's hard for me to think like they filmmakers didn't have some of this attitude in mind when. Well, it, it's a it's a universal tale that could apply to simple simple middle school behavior mm-hmm. where one kid's cool and now your old friend isn't cool, so you pretend like you're not friends with them yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. could apply to that simpleness. Yeah, or it could be something or else. Much bigger I I am disowning you or I'm not gonna be a part of you because even though I am just like you. Right. right. I'm gonna deny your existence. I don't know. I, I think that uh, whatever they regardless of what they said publicly, I, I get the sense that those were some ideas when they were making it. I, I think. And I or or not, but I think it's okay to, like, apply that to your... Like, that's what's great about uh, some of those broader themes is that you can relate to it in a certain way. Even though it's about kids, you can kind of relate to that as when yeah. you were a kid. Or you can see uh, some of your adult situations having a similar uh, reaction. So, I don't know. I just... I, I think that it's it's okay for these things to 
to maybe not spell out what they're about, but to yes. also like people can take it and say like, this yeah. is, this is what this movie means to me. And I think as parents and yeah. knowing where your children are developmentally at, you can have an appropriate conversation that relates to that about friends at school or homosexuality or transgender or immigrant, different races or immigrants or kids from out of town or, yeah. you know, different types of relatives or mental health issues or abilities and disabilities. And yeah. there's lots of categories that you can just take that moment and, and, pause and have a conversation with your kids and that opens a lot of doors about differentism and us versus them and being loyal to people despite whatever yeah now now listen what i want do i want disney to to do what you know they want you know they want to make raya uh an actual openly out person or make elsa give a girlfriend or something like that yeah i mean that would be great but like let's get real they're probably not going to do that. But without they fucking getting... should because they representation should. is important. It is, but like again, like they're just—I mean, it's disappointing. But we live in this world because people are just still like, we're going to protest. We're going to make a big old fucking deal. But they make a big deal about people kissing in a background shot, and it's just like we don't like—it's nothing. Like that doesn't even count as representation, in my opinion. Like it's barely anything, and it's like people still get mad. I don't know. It's frustrating a little bit. Um. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think that. It's a complicated feeling because I can appreciate what they, what maybe they are trying to be open about what it means to be different and and what it means to, to be equal and to be represented, but then to also just be like so afraid of like to saying it outwards. undermine the stance a little bit, and that's that's where I I struggle with like they like it, I got they're the sense basically that they, doing what that problematic scene is in the movie. I mean, they got like, the, yeah. I mean, the, I just got the sense that like that they didn't even like the Disney was like yeah you got to say this or I mean this actually Anthony Mackie said something recently about Winter Soldier and the Falcon show. Because people were saying, like, oh, they're in a relationship. And he, like, made a big deal. Like, well, it doesn't have to be that. They could be friends. And, like, yes, he's right. But also, like, why do we have to say, like, let it be. Like, if people want to think that they, like, are, they're in yeah, a relationship. Yeah, if it was a man and a woman, it is, it'd be assumed that they, they had feelings There's for each tension. other. There's tension. It's a very similar relationship to, like, um, Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson in, like, The Winter Soldier. Like, that movie, Captain America and Black Widow. I, and then the conversation was like, oh, man, they have a history. They have a history. Oh, there's something there. There's tension. See? that's same, But it's the same exactly, relationship. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I, I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, he's right. They can just be friends, and that's okay. But it's also, like, okay for people to think, like, whatever. I mean, who cares? Yeah. I don't know. What's I the agree. difference? <laughs> I agree. Let it be that. Who? I don't know. We're so spooked by this stuff still. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I liked Luca a lot. Yes, obviously. Yeah, I just, yeah, that's just a big, I don't know, that's a talking point around it. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. What else do we watch? We um, turned on a show on HBO Max. Oh, we watched Hacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was uh, hot off the heels for me of Mayor of Easttown, uh, which had Gene Smart in it. Um, I've talked about Gene Smart. Mm-hmm. Talked about how much I like Gene Smart recently and like Watchmen and, and Mayor of Easttown and. Uh, Designing women. Yeah, but there's the other show that I always forget that she's on. She's really good. Like Legion, I think, and something else. A season of Fargo. Yeah. Um, so Hacks is really good. She plays like this um, kind of old school comedian who's very successful, has a big show on Las Vegas, but she's kind of like doing the same thing and she's starting to see declining sales and she's uh, getting kicked out of her uh, her big auditorium and so they hire this uh, young, like, millennial Gen X, Gen oh, Z, Gen not Gen Z. X, Gen Z girl yeah. to kind of help her. And, um, yeah, it's a show about those two kind of butting heads a little bit. It was bit. almost really good. 
she Jean Smart's great, and I pretty much liked all of that storyline and what she's doing. I feel like the Gen Z character was written by someone who hates Gen Zers. Yeah. Like I, a yep, agreed. And listen, I mean, I guess you could not like Gen Zers. I don't care, but like it just didn't seem like it was a fully realized character so much as like being through a prism of like Oh, this is like they're the, the worst. It was kind just of like she's the worst. But then, like trying to do the work of making her like an empathetic protagonist, like lead of the show, but like con- constantly undermining that a little constantly bit, constantly making her unlikable, just with just weird choices like that, that weren't necessary. Yeah, like it was bizarre. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily the performance. If there was, if it was a better performed part, you could roll that. I don't. I'm not sure, but I thought she was trying really hard on the performance. I thought the writing wasn't quite there. I, I it was real. It was just that it was inconsistent. It would she it did the yes, character would just kind of veer one minute in like a very relatable young person way and then she, and then not at all and, and not do things that i don't i i again i just i feel like it was written by i, I would be very shocked if like an actual 20 year old wrote that part or wrote on the show mm-hmm. i just would expect them to be like our age writing that mm-hmm. like and just using like observations they've made about that or their kid yeah. you know i don't know or maybe this is based on, maybe it could be but it's just based on like a their friends or something i don't know i just didn't it didn't seem warm in a way that it kind of needed to be i think yeah because you can make an unlikable character lovable in gene the, smart's character is kind of unlikable in yes, a lot of ways right she's she's a terrible person mm-hmm. but they but they it's compelling they, they and it's consistent yeah they didn't treat that same with yeah. the same lens to the younger character no i yeah I, I mean, I, I again, even in that, I do feel like it was <laughs> even that part is written from like a perspective from someone who doesn't really understand the perspective too. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's carried by Gene Smart, and it's just mm-hmm. a great performance. But and it's really hard to have a show about a stand-up comedian because you gotta have funny writers, you gotta have funny. Content. Well, I think the, the I mean, and the goal and the trick here is that I've noticed this with a lot of shows or uh, movies about stand-up comedians, they just don't show you a lot of their jokes. Yeah, because it's like if it's not good. That, remember that was like um I remember Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip, the I fucking hated that show. Aaron Sorkin yes. show. So like one of the big problems with that was like they were doing like an SNL comedy type thing. Yeah. And then they would show skits and then they talk terrible. about how great it how great the show was and it was like I mean, bottom of the barrel, like worse than like even the worst like bad yeah, seasons of garbage. SNL and just fucking garbage. And it, it was just like how could like why there's it breaks the mm-hmm. it just breaks the believability. Don't show of it. the skits. Don't show the comedy. It's terrible. Don't show. Uh, that's what I loved about like Thirty Rock. Like they number one like all everybody on the show like they actively hated like the stuff that they put on the show yes. and it was all like lowbrow. Yes. And like I I don't even think they necessarily were a hit. They just were like. And the skits they did show they were really stupid on purpose, mm-hmm. and I kind of like that approach better because mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, like it's bad. What and do you want? Everyone knows it. We all hate it. Oh yeah, Tracy Morgan. He does those dumb movies. Of course, that's only the dumb audience likes. Mm-hmm. You know his brand of humor. Blah blah blah. So God, let's just watch Thirty Rock again. It could. I'm sure that's well. Nah, never mind. <laughs> There's only a few episodes that are problematic. Only a few. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It's it is what it is. Okay. Is that, that it? Oh, there's one other movie I wanted to mention. 30 minutes in, Tyler. 30. So? so You're all like, I don't spend half the show talking about movies. Record more often. <laughs> I Go watched ahead. on Hulu a movie called Willie's Wonderland. Tell me more. Starring Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. It is about a, a guy who's just driving a speed... His, his, uh, uh, speed I was going to say speedboat. His sports car. <laughs> Uh, his sports car down the road gets a flat tire uh, in some podunk town, uh, and he's got to get the tire. They don't take 
credit card, so he's got a he's so he agrees to like the guy says, oh, Well, you can go and like clean up this uh, old Chuck E. Cheese like place for the night and I'll take care of your thing and he agrees. Well this Chuck E. Cheese place called Willie's Wonderland contains like animatronic uh uh characters, characters. Mm-hmm. and they are uh, turns out alive and uh, murdering murdery. Ah now the hook here is that you know, there's some teenagers that show up and, you know, they're fodder for, for getting killed. But uh, Nicolas Cage is the star. Mm-hmm. He's the lead of the movie. He's in most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't say a word in the entire movie. So bizarre. It's no dialogue for Nicolas Cage. Zero that's words. That's so hard because that's what you want from Nick Cage. This is weird. Not a single word. Are you sure? Uh, nothing. He grunts a little bit, yells uh, kind of out loud when he's fighting uh, a couple of these uh, characters. Uh, now, having said that, you know I'm you know I'm on board. I like I like Nick Cage. Uh, I think he gives uh, good performances, even in uh, stuff like this. Sometimes you know, sometimes he sleeps through some stuff. Whatever. Uh, for the most part, I think that regardless of the project, you're gonna get I like his effort. Interesting. And in this movie, I will say, like, it's fine. It's not like a great movie. It, I like the kind of the concept. It's like that Five Nights at Freddy's thing a little bit, like. I, I kind of get it. It's you know, there's some there's some fun element here. It's just, it's not particularly well executed, I guess. But uh, Nick Cage, in not saying anything, uh, still gives I think a pretty compelling performance. There is a sequence where he he's told to take you know, pace yourself on the job tonight, like take breaks, time it out, take breaks. So he sets a timer and he takes breaks regardless of what's going on. So if he's getting in the middle of attack or someone else is getting attacked. He's like, well, I gotta go take a break. How how does he communicate that he has had a flat tire? He gets gets you know you see the guy come up and the the tow truck comes uh-huh. and how's how's the conversation about like we don't take credit cards? And... He lo- he looks at the credit machines like oh yeah we don't take that oh you don't have any cash huh? He kind of goes like that. What shakes his head? Okay, yeah. Anyway, Sorry. he he takes breaks in the break room, and there's a pinball machine in there. And over the course of the film, gets very involved in the pinball game, including mm-hmm. when there's mayhem going on. I bet you could relate to that because you love. I do pinball. love pinball, and uh, there's one particular part where he really uh, plays this pinball machine, and it is a uh, a glorious moment of Nick Cage acting without uh, without uh, saying Talking. a word. Talking, uh huh. Yeah, so I'm just saying, Nick Cage, even when he doesn't speak, can be compelling and is in stretches in this movie. Does he survive? What do you think? He gets murdered at the end. He's gotta be a willy. He's gotta go to the next uh, goofy place and not say a word. Of course, he survives. Well, it's spoiler. No animatronic uh, <laughs> things are gonna stop Nick Cage. And that's why you don't go to Chuck E. Cheese. I don't. Do they have any animatronic things at Chuck E. Cheese anymore? I don't think so. I think that's a thing of the past. Because they're creepy. Yeah. Well, and they. I mean, they. Yeah, these are creepy. All right, so would you recommend it if you love Nick Cage only, or... Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. It's like 85 minutes. It's on Hulu. I mean, you could just, yeah. (laughs) Burn through it. I mean, even if there's parts you don't like, which there were for me, I was just like, well, Nick Cage thing. All right, so to recap, in the last month since we recorded... It's been like three weeks. We were busy. We've watched In the Heights on HBO Max, The Conjuring, third one on HBO Max, Luca, Ryan, Last Dragon on Disney+, Plus. Hacks on HBO Max and Willie's Wonderland on Hulu. We've been. Wa- I mean, I got watched other stuff. But we can just move on. Yeah, let's move on. We'll save it for the next. We've been, we've been watching Loki. I don't know. What do you want? Yeah, that's we're still watching that. Though. Yeah, we're still watching that. Okay. Okay. Top Gun. Let's do it. Summer of Brockheimer. Who is Brockheimer? Hopefully, we will uh, 
go at a pace a little bit faster so we can actually get through some of the filmography. Okay. Um, my tea's already <laughs> Before the summer's over. Because it's been almost 40 minutes, Mr. Wilson. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do some tea time with Tyler. Yeah, Jerry Brockheimer. He's a producer. Oh, hold on. Oh, oh okay. 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 Tea time with Tyler where yeah. I refill my tea and think of a random thing to ask you and you have to answer as best as possible before I finish my tea. Okay. Tyler. Name all the Brockheimer things. Good. Brockheimer production things. Well, you got all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. You've got uh, Days of Thunder, a previous episode. You've got Top Gun. You've got The Rock. You've got Armageddon. You've got Pearl Harbor. Why do you keep saying you've got? Keep going. Those are all the movies that he's produced. Uh, he made a movie called Kangaroo Jack. Uh, he also made uh, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, in an effort to keep up that uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean thing going. Uh, Top Gun, obviously. Top Gun sequel he's produ- a producer on. He's a producer on all the Bad Boys films. He is a producer on, like, CSI, all of those, and all those spinoffs. He's a okay. producing uh, machine. Good job. He's There's a producer on something I was just recently watching, and I was like, "Oh, that's a Brockheimer production." Yeah, he's a, it's all everywhere, man. He's got his money and all and the then things he, I, I mean, like. And then he kind of—I mean, it was a lot of this kind of thing, and then pirates hit, and then it was—you know—that was all his life for a while was the pirates thing. And I think they're even—they're trying to do pirates again without uh, Johnny Depp. So I'm sure they'll uh, keep going. Anyway, yeah. He's done. He, they've done. I mean, I could I could keep going. I know yeah, a lot of his uh, movies, and the, the lesser ones too. Tea time with Tyler. Gone sixty seconds. Speaking of Nick Cage. Okay, I said that concludes <laughs> tea time with Tyler. Okay. All right. So where today, he plays a guy named oh Memphis God. Reigns. Memphis is his name. Nick Cage plays a guy named Memphis. Anyway, <laughs> just you let me know when you're done. I'm done. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. It's time for some high stats. Okay. High stats. Top Gun came out May 16th, 1986. Okay. We were just little. We are just little things when it came out. Yeah. It is rated PG. Yeah. Surprisingly, and uh, our uh, seven-year-old watched most of the second half. and It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Nothing in there. Yeah. I think he would have enjoyed more of it. Um, it clocks in at an hour and 50 minutes, which just surprises me, to be honest. You thought it was n- shorter or longer? It feels shorter because there's nothing that happens in this movie. Oh, yeah, nothing happens. So it's like, why? <laughs> we could have easily cut 20 minutes out, but then it would have felt... Even- I mean, I mean, stuff happens, but you know what I mean. Yeah. It's a lot of the same thing happening. It's like five scenes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll talk about that, though. Okay. Uh, what else do I share in high stats? Uh, it was directed by Tony Scott. Tony Scott. So we've done a Tony Scott movie in the past, Days of Thunder, which is like a spiritual sequel to Top Gun, really. Um, but Tony Scott, I mean, this guy was, uh, he unfortunately died in 2012, but he made a lot of a lot of movies. I mean, he Beverly Hills Cop 2, Man on Fire. A lot of made a lot of uh, Denzel movies. Denzel Washington, Deja Vu, Unstoppable. Those were all Denzel movies. Enemy of the State with Will Smith and the Brockheimer production. Um, very uh, specific type of style. He's the brother of Ridley Scott. Um, yeah, he was a kind of an action nineties uh, action guru. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bummer we lost him. So. Like Tony Scott, so yeah, no Tony Scott. This is very much, and this is very much a Tony Scott movie. You can see the DNA of this and other movies that look and feel like uh, Top Gun. It's it's definitely got that Tony Scott vibe. I mean, he really went for it, and like, God, Man on Fire is hyper stylized, and like, I think he made Domino, which is the same way, and um, yeah, I mean, he real sometimes he really went for it with uh, kind of that orange hue like of a like the you know oh, the yeah. sun uh the sun rises and sunsets in the movie that's like that you see all that a lot of that in these movies oh a lot of yeah 
a lot of magic hour uh, type shots and yellow hues. So this looks like a very expensive movie, but it has a pretty reasonable budget. Uh-huh. Well, it's 80s. How much is it? 15 million. Oh, yeah. And w- what I read from some commentary um was that the reason the budget was so low at 15 million was much due to the military pretty much footing most of the bill on all like the military stuff. Um, the production only had to pay for like fuel for the jets. Oh, okay. And so well, I mean that saves you a shit ton of money. I mean they used this as a recruiting tool for so quite a while. So they definitely did. What I did read was that they they the didn't, Navy, right? Yeah, the Navy didn't could not tell you to like go watch Top Gun, but right. they did literally set up many locations, set up yeah. booths right outside the fucking theater. Yeah, I mean, you still see. Com- I mean, the commercials for the armed forces are very much resemble Top like Top Gun. Like it's the yeah. kind of thing that you see. Yeah, there's in, sign-ups, in the things like um, this. Their signups after this went up five hundred percent. I'm sure. Yeah, see, it was money well spent for them. I'm sure. Just oh, the recruitment. Oh fuck yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just like yeah. Look how look how cool you can be by flying this this jet. It's and you can even giant. say, like, look, some of them die and it's super dangerous, but look how fucking badass I mean, you look. you do this long enough, you're, you, someone's, you, someone's bound to die. I mean, they're, like, they're okay saying that, because, like, yeah. doesn't matter. People are going to get, they're going to have their, oh, they're going to have such boners for this, it's not going to oh, matter. Oh, God. Okay, well, let's not get to the boner talk yet, Tyler. Okay. Uh, so that's, oh, wait. The whole movie's I, a bit of a boner, So, $15 though. million dollar budget, and how much money did it make? Let's Lots. See. Lots of money. It grossed in the U.S. 180, worldwide 350. That's yeah. quite a return. Excellent, and this was you know they didn't <laughs> have to pay they didn't have to pay Tom Cruise like Tom Cruise level money yet you know it's early in his uh, uh, tenure so yeah you know I get it I guess it's a it's a massive hit now uh, what did, did you write down what you remember I didn't have to what what do you not remember about Top Gun well I you know the funny thing is for me uh huh. Well, I'll just read what I remember. I wrote okay. down, yeah, and then sure. I'll share more. Okay. I said it's bro danger zone spectacle in Top Gun. The movie with so much testosterone that it makes a less manly man like myself feel a little uncomfortable. Aw. This has got some really great aerial combat scenes, but th- it has never been one of my big 80s movies for some reason. Isn't Tom Cruise's Maverick character kind of a dick? Am I just Team Val Kilmer? And oh, that's what I wrote. Um, what do you remember watching this? It's just not a movie that I, I must not have seen it very early on mm-hmm. because I've never revered it, okay. I guess, in a way that some movies from this generation people do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I must have seen it later. And then I'm just like, I, I it's a movie where I just forget like, oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. yeah, that's a scene. That's yep. a scene. Oh, like, I, you know, scene. I remember like, you know, obviously the big moments and like. You know, the, the big 80s things. And I, you know, I remember the volleyball and I remember the. That's it. You got it. Lost the love and feeling, right? And then, you know, I get it. But then, like, you're like, like, oh, yeah, this was like a whole other. There's a whole other. There's a whole, like, hour of movie in here. But is there? I mean, that's the question. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. I just don't know if it's. It it is a repetitive movie. Mm -hmm. And I would say this time watching the uh, combat sequences, the flying sequences, I would say that it's not necessarily like. They're all that dynamic of action scenes either, mm-hmm. really. Uh, it's a lot of uh, practice. And then there's a lot of... Uh, the, the beginning and end have like kind of real combat fighting. But it, it's it's kind of like... Well, how would I describe it? I would. It's like a lot of inferred action or like suggestive action. It's like, well, here's a shot and here's some like... I mean, it's called basic editing, right? But it, you can just tell like you're not seeing... Um, 
you're not seeing everything happen. You're just you're you're kind of putting the pieces together in your head based on certain shots. And I think there was limitations, obviously, to what they could get. Huge limitations um, for sure. To the point where I mean, I was. I don't care about Top Gun, but when, like, the trailer for the new one came out, Top Gun Maverick, mm-hmm. and they're showing footage of, like, the way that Tom Cruise makes movies now, which is just like, you're going to see everything. We're not going to cut. You're going to just see that we really did this. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, okay, that that's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see what's going on, and that's amazing. Whereas in this, it's like, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of insert shots of them in the cockpit, and then there's just some planes flying around. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't ask me what I remember about the movie. Tyler. Well, I was done talking what I remember. What you do were you just remember? Talk- you just dove right in. You just like didn't even ask. It's all one consistent thought. I'm was done it? now. You can talk for the next hour. I don't care. All right, I will talk for the next hour. Okay. Buckle up. Is that what they say in Top Gun? Strap in. Strap on what? Strap in. <laughs> Is what? that what they say? Strap on. <laughs> Get your mind. I don't know why you'd ever get dirty thoughts watching Top Gun. That's a ridiculous notion. Uh, ridiculous. So we were really young when this movie came out. So mm-hmm. it makes sense to me that you didn't see it a lot. Your brother was eight years older than you. Yeah. That would have made him actually the prime age when this came out, but not necessarily when you were of remembering age. My brother, on the other hand, you know, my awesome, terrible brother, loved <laughs> Top Gun. Yeah. Loved it like fucking watched it 50 50- hundred times probably yeah. so i've seen this movie way more than i ever fucking wanted to and like he could probably see the tape oh yeah yeah for sure he could quote this movie he could sing every song that's why i can because you know that my family's movie quoters so he quoted that movie all the fucking time growing mm. up which is fine it doesn't make me like hate the movie but it's well, i don't have any a lot warm of... feelings for it well when i came on the block mm-hmm. um there, I your family does. It's like your family only watched five movies, um, and they quoted like they they just a lot of quote talking, right? Yeah. But oddly, I never, I did not hear these ones. Oh yeah, I mean, if you these spend enough ones. time around him, you you, I mean, just give it time. He'll make some fucking Top Gun quote. Well, it must in in contrast. And I'm pretty sure we did not own this on a VHS ever, and therefore we didn't uh, didn't watch it a bunch. Maybe my maybe my family just didn't like it. I, I mean, don't know. It's possible. So, like when we watched ER when it first came out, we only referred to Doctor Green, right? As, as Goose. As Goose. I don't know if his name is Doctor Green. I don't know. Who's am I getting? That's that probably wrong? right. I don't know. Now Do- I'm like blinking out that maybe that wasn't. Was that right. George Clooney's character? No, I don't know. I don't. I didn't watch ER very much. I watched it in the beginning, but that's not very much. Hold on, I gotta like pause the episode and I gotta look this up because it's gonna drive me crazy. Hold on, hold on, Tyler. I usually, just look things up when you. Uh... I... Okay, I was totally right. It's Doctor Green. I had to look it up because all of a sudden I panicked that like it wasn't even the same actor. <laughs> No, I mean, I, so, yeah. I wouldn't have paused. I thought you were like, lose, like, just confusing the name of the doctor. Oh, no, it's Dr. You were worried Green. that, like, of course he's from all ER. The, all, all of a sudden I was like, maybe Goose isn't in fucking no, ER. He, no, he is, of course. Okay, that's so a, I panicked because yeah. my brain. Nope, nope, No, nope. that's why even when we're watching uh, Top Gun this time, I was like, oh, he's going to die of a brain tumor. Because, well, Jesus, spoiler for ER. I never spoiler, even got that far. Spoiler for ER back in 1997. <laughs> I never even got that far in ER. I know he left the show because all those main people he did. He died of a brain tumor. That's lame. Goose God, gets it everywhere man medical doctors or these medical shows man they can't not kill people off. yeah so even when we're watching er in our house we just call them goose i probably most people did it's kind of like whenever you see lieutenant dan you just call him lieutenant dan i know i like to think of him as uh commander rickson from mission to mars no i don't <laughs> that would be amazing 
His he's in Mission to Mars. I don't know if his name was Commander Rickson. <laughs> I wish it were because that would have been fabulous. Not a great movie. <laughs> Not a great movie at all. Oh my god, you're so funny. Anyway, you watch Top Gun a lot. Yeah. Then then years go by without watching it. I'm sure. Yeah, which was good. It's it's that whole like distance makes the heart grow fonder. So then when we were watching it again, God, you and I haven't seen this. I've been wanting to watch it for the podcast for a while. We did watch it in college. Did we? Yes. You say that about everything. Like, how many movies did we really We watch did watch a lot of movies in college, but we, I remember watching it then and thinking, and I think the idea was, was like, have I seen this movie? Because I like... I feel like you were like, I don't know if I've seen I think Gun. I've seen it on TV, but I've never yeah. seen all the... Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I watched it. I was like, yeah, I've seen this movie. Yeah. I think I was still in that state age where I was like... This is a great movie. You need to watch this, Tyler. And right. I'm like, I've grown up. I, I, okay. So this is the question. Like, I, so many questions. Where to begin? I know this movie's revered. People is really it? like it. Um, from a certain generation, our generation. Yeah, millennials. And a little bit, you know, a little bit old, older, maybe old millennials and Gen Zers, Gen Xers. But I don't know. And this is like, there's a couple of these. We the Goonies was like this, where I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, and I've got, like, these just reservations of just, like, I think that there are big scenes that people remember, and then there's just everything else. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those where I'm just like, yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. all right, Mm -hmm. sure, I can see why you revere it, but, like, I don't know, like, is it inherently rewatchable? Is it something that you can just turn on? Is it just because, like, there's music, like, these needle drop music cues? yes, for sure. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. Too, you, this movie doesn't have any like yeah moments. Not really. So like what you were talking about with the the scenes in the air with yeah. With, uh, there's no like clear one. They just make some vague reference to who they're fighting. Some Russian MIG. That's it. You don't know why they're chasing them. Well, it's Cold War time. I mean, you know what else it's would it be? Eighties. It's eighty six. Cold, Cold War time. I guess it is. I know, but like, is you know? Yes. <laughs> it's confusing. It's so vague. It's like one. It sentence. doesn't because the movie doesn't care. It's just then, like you need so, them in the air and they need someone to go after. Need someone shooting at them. Boom, 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 boom. It's disturbing that we're comfortable just shooting some faceless enemy that we know nothing about. Jesus, are you? Oh man, are you a communist now? Jesus. Well, how did they were antagonizing? They were antagonizing them. Um. I don't know. They were antagonizing them. And then in the end, they were the ones getting attacked. It's over. Come on. Jeez, get on get on the America train, Angie. Jeez. Get on this pro board You're going to get us canceled. Holy shit. Get on so, the America train. I, it would be easier if there were more like, yeah, moments. Well, but, it's, but it's, it, it's it doesn't. Not a, you can't see what's happening. So even though they filmed with actual cameras on the jets. Yeah. And you can um, tell that from some scenes. Yeah. yeah and they had those to, scenes are cool. They even had to get like, I guess, Shots F- are cool. FAA clearance because yeah. the cameras could fly off and then come down and crash yep. and kill somebody. Yep. So they get clearance for that. Yep. It's just hard to follow. I'm I'm curious to see how the new movie is going to improve upon that. The trailer already improves upon it. Um, it's that, hard to follow. What you're talking about, I think, is that the, the movie's opening is an action scene where there's a real, uh, quote-unquote, like, threat. And then mm-hmm. the rest of it is in this training facility where mm-hmm. there, it's no real threat in terms of just, like... The training facility shots were better. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like that, like the most of the movie is just this. Tra- it's a training school, so like mm-hmm. they're not fighting anybody. And then we have this really stitched on ending 
where they're just like, well, now we're going on a mission. It's just like, real quick, we're going to tell you what the mission is. Ah, it doesn't matter. Get on, get up there. Get up there. And it, it, it does, it feels very tapped on because it's like, we need a climax for this movie. Um, and so it's they just kind of weird. add one. And I don't, I, and there's a, there's either, there's two ways to solve that. You can either, like, build that up a little bit more. Um, giving them, you know, you, I think you probably, if you're going to build it up, you cut out the beginning mm-hmm. and you start with them going to the school. Maybe a quick introduction, but like get them to the school. Mm-hmm. Then you have them graduate and then you have, an, you, you build up like them going and going off to a mission or doing something and then like make, giving that some stakes. Or, uh, uh, you just don't do that <laughs> and you focus on just the school, right? Um, you can't, you can't just stitch it on without uh, some kind of narrative consequence, yeah, it, I feel like. it was weird. Um, now, we'll talk about the needle drops, though, because it's important that Danger Zone plays twice in ten minutes, right off the bat. Yeah. They know I, what they've got. If if <laughs> Top Gun does nothing else, it crushes what you're referring to as needle drops. And they've just got to do Which, everything... What, 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 needle just, drops? The phrases you use, Tyler. These are common phrases. By who? People. Talk who about people? movies. It's like the people. Do you like you say you read these articles, but this is these are the, this is the term. I've not read the term needle drop. It's the thing that happens. It's just like big, googling like it. a music group. Needle like, drop. Googling it. Do you know what a needle drop is? And we have a record I player. It's a record player. Right. It's like when the music just kind of pipes in big. What is a needle drop in film? People ask on Google. Oh, good. Yeah, this is good. This needle is good drop, content. A version of a music album that has been transferred from a vinyl record to digital audio. The needle drop, a blog vlog created and written nope, by music you're not critic right. Anthony Fantano. Needle drop, movie scoring, the use of an existing recording rather than an original score in a film. Oh, did you hear that definition? Yeah. It's when a song comes on. <laughs> what do you want? Existing recording, not an original score. Lots of needle well, score, drops. Yeah, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's a song. Like yeah, it, yeah no. lots of needle drops in Top Gun. Right, and then I think the point is, is that it's uh, <laughs> sorry. It's um, you know, it like they know they've got like two two specific songs, right? Danger Zone and Take My Breath Away. They're just like, oh, we, oh, these are great songs. Mm-hmm. We got to play them at least twice, Wait, maybe the three one? times. Well, it's take they, they you've lost my love and feeling is an old song and they they sing it karaoke and then it, it plays later. But it's like the two big like songs in the movie are Danger Zone, which comes on a third time before Goose's demise, by the way. Oh, and then yeah. and then take my breath away. Like the music cue gets thrown in a few different times when we're talking about the romance that's budding between uh, Maverick and Kelly McGillis. So. And don't forget Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, that's in there. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, but it like the, those are not that was that it, the, those other two songs are synonymous with Top Gun. I, they may not have been in I any mean, other movie, and they 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 were written for the movie, mm-hmm. or there was the first time that they were. You know, we've heard them, right? Man, Kenny Loggins got got the score by doing Danger Zone. He got the score by doing Danger no. Zone? I mean, he it's awesome. He's so lucky. He oh, got he the, got. Well, see, when you say yeah. the word score, I meant I okay. was trying to think of a word. In he my got brain the goal. Failed. He got the. He got. He hit the bank. He's so he struck, lucky. He struck yes. gold. Yes, there that's the word I was going he for. He got struck gold. Yeah, I he guess did. a lot of people turned it down. Didn't want to do it. Well, it's a, they're turning down like a song or writing Danger Zone, performing or? it. Oh, really? Because he Kenny Loggins didn't write it. Who wrote it? I I had read that earlier. Great. Who wrote? Danger Zone <laughs> song. Why are you saying it out loud like you're telling Alexa or Siri uh, to do it? Tim Whitlock and Giorgio Morador. Yeah, I mean, it, song, song. It's that's confusing. I mean, it is an all-timer in terms of like '80s uh, movie music, right? Both, oh, both man. the songs are. I'm just right? reading the lyrics and it's just singing in my head. I, I mean, I think that that's. I, I people remember. 
uh, I've got the need. I've got the need for speed. They remember uh, Goose dying, which is, you know, sad. And they remember this fucking music. And that's yeah. why people remember Top Gun, right? That's the basically the four reasons. And Val Kilmer's uh, blonde, uh, frosty, uh, frosty hair. hair. Yeah. Um, I, I read that Val Kilmer, again, you know, you read these things on the internet, you never know what's true. Like, Val Kilmer didn't even want to do this movie, but he was, like, contractually obliged to. What? Um, I did not read that. Yeah, see, you read these things on the internet, you never know. Um, it is kind of a weird role in terms of, like, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a nothing kind of role. It, it gives you nothing to really work with other than being, like, a, a cool dick, you know? It's an interest. He's an interesting character. I like Val Kilmer as an actor in general, but like it's just a it's just a weird part. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about? Uh, we have to talk about this. Uh, this is very eighties. But Tom Cruise, Maverick, they're at a bar. They see Kelly McGillis at the beginning of this movie, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna fucking sexually harass her." <laughs> Uh, and they don't she's, they're not sexually harassing her in like you know the way that you typically think but it's very awkward they just decide to go up to this woman and like they've got a bit where everybody in the bar everybody that's in the school or everybody knows like, like you could start singing you've lost this love and feeling to a woman and yeah. everybody's just supposed to chime in and I mean that's hot who doesn't want bar karaoke by 50 people singing with them and he, I think he kind of says like oh I've done it twice before one time it didn't work, and this time, like, there's just two. But everybody knows this bit. Makes like, no sense. Everybody, every, some other people tried. Makes it's terrible. No sense. It's very uncomfortable. What I will tell you is mm -hmm. that I'm going to get controversial here, mm -hmm. political. A couple years ago, three years ago, when the whole transgender bathroom issue came up, and yeah. people were so mad mm -hmm. that that men dressed as women are going to hide in the bathroom and attack your women. Yeah. I just always thought. That's such bullshit because men can just walk into the fucking women's restroom. And then when I saw this, I was like, clearly I've been seeing this since my childhood. Men just fucking walking into the bathroom to sexually harass women. Perfectly fucking okay. Well, it's Top not gun. okay. It's not fucking okay. Yeah. It's totally okay well, in this saying, movie. What you're saying is that you don't need to be wearing a dress to get into the bathroom. No. You can just walk in. Yeah. Men have been as... sexually harassing women in bathrooms since fucking Top Gun, at least. At, well, well before. <laughs> well before Top Gun. Well before. So clearly, I've been taught that that's, that's a real threat. So what he, a douchebag. So he flames out on the song, right? Doesn't go well. And then he just and like then she her... has a date. She's meeting well, somebody older, else. Yeah, it's clearly it like, doesn't it matter. like her dad or something. It, I don't think so. <laughs> it was actually a real... Uh, military yeah. guy. He's one of the that. consultants on and the film. And Kelly McGillis' character is based off of a real person, like a real trainer, a real Pentagon official, by the way, which is uh, something, I guess. Is it? Because yeah, they like loosely. change her character to be not an officer because they were like, no fucking way because officers can't date. A quote-unquote inspired by, I guess, would okay. be the right the right thing. Like, it she probably is, but did not like date Underlings. I think it, the intentions were good. There's like, look at this awesome Pentagon person who's like not a not a pilot, but like teaches all the pilots, you know, something like that. It was like almost trying to give a good role to a female. Oh, but then it just like turns into a romantic role. Then it was like only role. cast for sexual interest. So yeah, he goes into the bathroom <sighs> and just like harasses her in there, which is inappropriate. I mean, and then of course because it's the eighties, you know, it you know eventually it wears wears her down, right? Like she just becomes like see this, it plants uh, these seeds in yeah. men's heads. Like if you just just if you're really brash, it. if you're pushy enough, you'll get what you want. Yeah, just don't give up. Keep at it. Even though you've been rejected, what's, keep going. What's disappointing is um, 
the McGillis character is the instructor. And so you get this moment where she shows up at the school and you're like, oh, there's going to be like, and I know that that's tired and we've seen that a lot, but at least it's a conflict. Like, let's have her be like pissed off and like be adversarial with each other. Obviously he was a dick to her. Like Mm -hmm. he should, she should be like knocking him down. But no, we only get this perspective from him where he's like kind of a mouthy dick in the meeting. He's He's kind of like a hostage. He's like, I've seen him, Nick. I've seen it upside down. I've got all the information that you, I I know more than you do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he just is like, just mouthing off. Like, oh my God. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's spectacular. And then, of course, because it's an 80s movie, it eventually works. He just keeps, uh, pushing. He goes over to her house. He wants to meet he with him. He shows up late. He's super sweaty. Fucking we'll nasty talk about it. We'll pulling... talk about it. What? We'll talk about that. Just talk it's about worthy... it. Now. No, it's a worthy of a whole thing. It's I want to worthy... finish my thought. Okay. Um, it's worthy of a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he shows up. He's been doing some exercise. And, oh, um, <laughs> And he's just like, oh man, I, I'm gonna, I can go take a shower, right? And she's just like, like, well, you finish up. Why not? Do you mind if I go take a shower? It's like, dude, no. Like you've never been to her house. You don't know her, and you're like, I'm gonna go, kind of take use your shower. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Who are you? So weird. I do like how he, she's like, no. She does say no. So that was like one one positive redeeming character. Yeah. So then you know. I don't know. There's not much to this after that. She, they meet in the elevator. Her hat's on because they filmed that scene later. Because, like, I guess the when they originally shot it, there wasn't a lot of romance. There was some, but they wanted the test audience wanted it beefed up. They wanted that sex scene. They wanted uh, more spark. And so apparently they didn't really like each other that much on set. But whatever. You can kind of see that. Yeah, not a lot screen. of chemistry. Not a lot of chemistry. I mean, they're both bringing their their sex eyes, and they're both bringing their their faces. Well, you know, young, attractive people are going to let off some spark. Be like, but I'm sexy. But anyway, yeah, in the elevator, she's got that hat on because she's already filming another movie at this point. Her hair is different. Um, so yeah, and then unfortunately, like she just is there to be like a voice to tell him a couple things every now and then, give him some advice. She doesn't have a role after that. It's just super mm-hmm. disappointing, I feel like. I mean, especially since they, you know, they bill her even in the trailer, like, top second billing. Like, they build this as, like, if not a romance, then at least, like, some tension between them. Mm-hmm. And it's just not there after a certain point. I mean, there's definitely more sexual tension between him and other characters. I would agree. Him and Val Kilmer are letting off oh. a whole lot of spark. Oh, my God. Well, they're so talking much. to each other so closely. I mean, that's part of it. And often shirtless. Yes. Or, like, Oof. All right, so we'll double back. Steamy. There is the very famous uh, beach volleyball sequence. Um, it's a highlight because it's just like, eh, this movie's got time for a five-minute beach volleyball sequence. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I appreciate the, uh, you know, I appreciate that. They're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, this needs a beach volleyball. Beach volleyball. And you got, you know, shirtless dudes, except for Anthony Edwards. He's not taking his shirt off. Appreciate that. He, I'm sure that was like, eh. Either they were like, I wonder which way it was. Was it Anthony Edwards being like, I don't feel comfortable taking my shirt off, and he didn't want to? Or, but it, or was it the director and other people being like, yeah, it's fine. We don't really want to see your shirt off, though. Yeah, we've got enough shirtless Like, dudes. you don't have any abs. Like, you don't. You don't well, look And there's good. no sexual tension with him and other no, characters. Well, that's true. Um, well, yeah, he's got his own thing going. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like, what I, what I, what I love is this, this look of just like, I don't think you sh- this is not an ideal way of playing beach volleyball. 
uh, like at all. Because he's got the shirt off, he's got the big aviators, and he's just wearing jeans. <laughs> Fucking jeans. Seems weird. Hot as balls, playing volleyball in jeans. I know when I play sport, I like to wear jeans. It's funny, but they're not. He's not the only one. There are a lot of them are in jeans. No, they're not. He no, there's another the guy. No, there's another guy. No, he's not. I'm pretty I'm gonna sure pull up the guy. fucking picture. Top Gun volleyball. I feel like team. there's other guys wearing jeans. No, maybe jean shorts. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, nope. He's the only guy. <laughs> there's jean shorts though, right? I don't know. What are everybody see. else wearing then? Why are all these pictures of only the tops up? Show me Why, my legs. Who? I think there's some more jeans. Uh, no, what else? What would they be wearing then? Okay, let me let me put put Iceman. So maybe I will get more pictures. Of I don't. Him. It was not Iceman. It was Iceman's partner. Also had jeans on. I feel like. Well, I'll see some towels. They're all just from the shirt up pictures. Well, there's a lot of towel. Well, there's a lot of shower post shower room scenes, except for the one time he no, actually he needed had, to take a shower. He had um the his Val Kilmer's partner had like um rolled up sweatpants, so like knee length. It seems like if you're that hot, if they're sweaty, it seems warm. I just I don't know pants in general just seem like the wrong At least choice. Sweatpants are like soft and movable. I guess the jeans and, like, are they're rolled up to be shorter. Some people do everything in their jeans. I guess I'm just not a big jeans guy. Maybe it's I fucking weird. It just seems like you're gonna get it. You know why? Because I feel like I've taken jeans like this is years ago because I don't wear a lot of jeans, but. You get if you can even get a little bit of sand in those pockets, mm-hmm. that shit ain't ever mm-hmm. coming out. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you wash them; that shit's just not coming out. You're gonna have sand in the little creases of those pockets forever. Mm-hmm. You don't want that. It's ridiculous. You don't want that kind of sand situation in you there. You do not. Um. Yeah. Anyway, this. Uh, yeah. I listen. <laughs> there's a case to be made that this is just a very. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of testosterone here, and there's a lot of. Um, eyeballing each other with the shirts off and uh, tension and hey, you know, yep. I give it credit. <laughs> I've got a lot of fun facts to share Okay, um, that came from various commentaries that are shared on uh, filmschoolrejects.com okay. and one of them was that um, the volleyball scene is the one Tony Scott struggled with the most. I just didn't know what, here's a quote, I just didn't know what to do with it but in the end it just came, be, just became hunky bodies mm-hmm. in California's sun, but it became a favorite with the women as well as the guys, especially the San Francisco guys. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I mean, okay, yeah, well, that's, you know, these movies, the, the guy, that's the thing about... You got um, really awkward there, Tyler. <laughs> here's the thing about uh, the, the Brockheimer brand a little bit. It's a lot of testosterone. There's a lot of... Um, what you could suggest as some kind of undercurrent, but, like, constant denial of that and mm-hmm. constant, like, oh, no, we would never do such a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's very typical of the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think we're getting away with that. Unfortunately, we don't live in a, a a Hollywood system anymore where movies like this are even made. I know we're getting a sequel to this, and that's total, but we're not going to get... These kinds movie. of action movies, uh-uh. these, like testosterone filled action non superhero things we they don't we don't make these movies anymore mm-hmm. right and so there's no and, and that's kind of unfortunate because there's no opportunity to like kind of offset some of this mm-hmm. like i don't know i would love it if like you got a version of this where like they're playing beach volleyball val kilmer and tom cruise's character like they break the tension by fucking each other boom right like that would be like pretty good <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so there's so many references to it. Like, it's a joke, but is it a joke? Well, there's there's tension. Like, you know, it, there's a lot of um, 
machismo. There's a lot of peacocking going on mm-hmm. here. And, you know, like, I don't know. I found it more convincing when they were peacocking against each other than I ever did when he was peacocking against Kelly McGillis. That one came off as creepy. Whereas it felt like at least Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise were kind of like, they were playing the same game, right? Oh, yeah. They were playing the same game of just like, I'm going to try to one up you, bro. Yep. Yeah, bro. I'm trying to one up you too. And it's like, all right, well, this is aggressive, but they're both active God, participants. I just wanted them to bang in the locker they're room. They're just active participants. They're both doing the same thing. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. There's something to be said about just letting that shit happen. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's why I, I, you know, maybe we'll get it in Top Gun Maverick. I don't know. That would be, that'd be nice. But Oh, do you think? There's just, they have more, ca- it's just, it's, it's just a reality. They have more chemistry than uh, Cruz and McGillis. They do. There's just, a, there's a more conflict there. Um, yeah. So anyway. I uh, I like that beach talk. I mean, it, it comes together well. I can see why it's popular. It's it's hilarious. It's very eighties. There's nothing else that's really like that. Um, the other reason why I think uh, this movie lingers around is because of Goose. Um, because this movie just like it's not just that they like kill off the beloved uh, partner, right? Yeah. It's just like yeah, we're gonna call his partner. What should we do before that? Let's introduce his wife and small kid. Small child. Lovely wife, played by Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan pops in here, um, and they have a kid, and it's just like these scenes. I mean, it's so telegraphed, right? Like, it's just like, hey, I got the good life, and I'm doing this, and you're pretty risky and brash, but hey, it's okay. I've got a family who loves me, and I just got to think about different things. Just like, oh, this motherfucker's gonna die. You're gonna <laughs> die. But it is like, so it is both predictable and telegraphed, but also just like. It's just, it's fucking like, it's just like a little knife in your back. It's just like, yeah, he died. And also, unlike everybody else here, he's got a baby and a wife. And now they are they have nothing. We've ruined their lives. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise ruined them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's just that extra little dagger that people remember, right? Um, it's devastating. It is. Um, there's been some great debate. I don't know if great is the word. A lot of debate about this incident in the movie and whether I, I think in recent years there's been this approach of just being like is tom cruise at fault is maverick the reason this happened is maverick did maverick kill goose mm-hmm. is um, he responsible and i and this is probably the first time i've watched it since that conversation happened when that conversation started i looked at it and i said huh i don't give a shit um instead i moved on but see now we've watched it so now I, we have to address it i think that um the movie obviously doesn't want you to think it was his fault. They go to the point of, like, having a hearing and saying, like, you are not at fault. This is what happened, right? And um, watching the scene, I would say that it is more, if, it, if it's anybody's fault, it's, number one, like, a goose is egging on Maverick to, because to, uh, Iceman's yep. in the front. They're going after their instructor. They're trying to, like, you know, infrared target them or whatever, yep. however they're doing it without actually shooting, right? Um he's trying to take a shot but Iceman's hesitating and Maverick's in the rear they're going to take a chance if he bails and Goose is really egging him he's like "God, come on just go jumping forward we got this we got this so he's pushing it right pushing it a lot Maverick may not have done it without Goose pushing him number one number two Iceman doesn't do what he's supposed to do Maverick is like veer off right or veer off whatever way um, and I got it. Well, he veers off the wrong way. He veers left. And then that leaves that plume of, uh, jet stuff. And it causes this mechanical failure. So, I mean, really, from my perspective, Maverick is like fourth on the list of faults. Cause he's getting egged on by Goose. There's an actual mechanical failure, which is really what the cause of the, the, yep. the thing is. I mean, that's really the problem, right? And then Iceman making 
you know, doing the opposite of, not intentionally, but just doing the opposite of what he was supposed to do. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, it seemed pretty cut and dry to me watching. I was like, this was a whole fucking debate on the internet for years? Doesn't seem like he's really at fault. Yes, he's brash. Yes, he makes brash decisions. But in this instance, mm-hmm. he wasn't really doing that until, you know, they're trying to win a thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think the the trouble is, is, like, also the institution's at fault. Because, like, why are we having situations where... Uh, we're having these training sequences where we are just like buzzing this close. These are expensive machines. Like, I don't know. Like, how many situations are you going to be? I know you got to train, but good lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it seems awfully dangerous what you're doing. Um, so I don't know. In my opinion, I just don't see a lot of fault on his, uh, on his part. And the movie, look, the movie apparently agrees. There's a scene where it says, like, well, we investigated this and you're not at fault. But neither was Iceman because he moved on and won the Top Gun trophy. He did. Anyway, do you have any thoughts on this? No. <laughs> You're like typing away looking at something. I had read uh, I was going to share another thing that w- that was pointing at the responsibility being Goose's based on the elevation they were spinning at and his delay and the eject and Sure. It was basically his fault. Yeah. And the movie uh, doesn't even... like detailed some very specific military First of all, how the people things. like even they put in a lot of effort into looking into this. I was just watching what I saw on this one time and it feels like it was there. It, it's definitely a, a a decision to kill the character in a training exercise. Yeah, not a, not like or yeah, like I said, if this had happened like when they were like on mission or something like that, that makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, but I think this shit does happen. During it does. Trainings. No, I mean and it does. I mean that's very true. That's fucked up. And then people are still like, I want to do that. I kind of appreciate how the movie. Do- I think the easy thing would have been to have this scene where Meg Ryan is there and he would be, she would be mad at Tom Cruise. I'm kind of glad that that's not what happens here. She kind of even she's own. I mean, she's not a she's not a character. She's a function mm-hmm. of both Goose and she's just there to be. Yep. A, I mean, it's it, that's the problem. I mean, she's not a character, but um, she does like let him off the hook essentially, like saying like, "Oh, he always wanted to be up there. He would have been out there even if you weren't around." Blah blah blah. And that was also her way of telling him, like, "Get out there and fly again. Like, don't quit." Yeah, about that. We've got a lot of scenes in this movie where people are just telling him to get out there and fly again. That's like the last thirty minutes of the movie. It, it, when was <laughs> PTSD discovered. Hello, v- like w- we knew about. Well, the logic is is like you got to get him out there, otherwise he's gonna ice up, like he's gonna freeze up forever or whatever. But then like he does, he's struggling. He's clearly a danger out there. Iceman's totally right later when he's just like, I don't think he should go on this mission. Like he's been sculling out the whole time. He quit for a while. His partner died. I'm kind of responsible. Like I don't know if this is a good idea. Yeah, not a good idea. Um, but then like yeah, he has Killer McGillis give him a speech about like coming back. He's got the old uh, John Stockwell character from the beginning who quit because he's got a baby and he freaked out. You know, he has this scene where he's trying to convince himself to come back. Like, oh, there's so much of this. It's just like not one character's like, dude, that was fucked up. Take some time. Maybe just like not do this anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, it's just a lot of that, and it just seems like it's padding the movie. And then we get this tacked on uh, thing uh, where they have this mission where, you know, he hesitates for a minute, and then he comes in and saves the day and blows up some planes and helps Iceman, and Iceman and him are just like, ah, oh, I'll be your wingman eight times. Like, no, you can be my wingman. And then they bang. Ah, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, we forgot to mention the whole subplot or the whole story of Tom Cruise's dad. Oh, yeah. Well, it, again, this is another Meg Ryan type of, like, it's just a function of... It's not really a backstory so much as just, like... I mean, the only real mention of this is Goose gets a, a moment where he says, like, oh, well, you're just chasing your 
your father's ghost or whatever. And it's just like, yep, let us spell out his entire emotional arc just in one line of dialogue. And that's basically it. It's all, it's only very surface level. Like it just gets mentioned. It's just like, well, yeah, he's chasing his father's, uh, his father's legacy, blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> but then he just happens to go to an instruction school where his main instructor yeah. was the one person, maybe, who knows what happened to his dad. And then he's the... Yeah, so there's another person that's convincing him to do the thing. Yeah. He's like, your dad, let me tell you. Yeah. But there's... that's not until the very end, sharing classified information. It's a whole... Like, why? Why? Why are we doing this in the mo- this movie? Because I gotta get him back on... Gotta get him back in the air. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It's just a function of uh, a brooding thing. I, again, it's all very surface level, and that's fine. It's not trying to be uh, a deep character study, but, I mean, come on. Um, I don't know. The, I think the be- people like say that the best line of dialogue is, I feel the need, need for speed. No, I like the better line, which is the beginning. The sweaty boss at the beginning is just like, son, your ego's cashing checks. Your body can't cash. Better line. <laughs> like that. Writing line. checks your body can't cash what did i say cash and checks your body can't cash yeah. close enough you know what i fucking meant just doing it off the top of my head without looking at my notes it's yeah your your uh, son your ego's writing checks your body can't cash mm-hmm. and that the guy who said it is like just sweating profusely there in like the underboard of the ship he's sweating more than i do in a hot summer day baby it's a lot of sweaty people in the movie constant sweat it's fucking hot Full of stars, though, you've got, we didn't even mention, uh, you know, you got Tom Skeard, who's like the main uh, instructor guy, you know, from Alien and a thousand other things. Uh, Michael Ironside's another instructor, kind of secondary instructor. Mm-hmm. You've got Meg Ryan, obviously, in this small part. Uh, and you got Tim fucking Robbins, who's like, in the Ooh, beginning, yeah. he's in the beginning as like the, the first get Cougars, like... Uh, uh, radar Starkway. guy, mm-hmm. yeah, and then he's—you never see him outside of his mask, so you don't even know it's Tim Robbins. And then he just gets—they mention like, "Oh yeah, we're bringing Merlin back for you," and he comes in at the end, and you again, you do not see his face until for about the very end of the four movie. Seconds. He's talking a bunch, and then uh, yeah, at the end he takes and he gets out of the plane at the celebrate thing. He's like, "Oh yeah, look at that. Tim Robbins been in this movie for like twenty minutes." Obviously, an early role for him, but weird, right? It was weird. Anyway, it's just, uh, you know, it's full of people. I don't know. You got anything else you want to say about Top Gun? Not really. I mean, I'm excited to see the new one. I I am excited about what I saw. Um, I don't really care about, like, I read on the, I don't know if this is totally accurate, but, like, so Miles Teller is in it, is, like, the second lead, right? And Miles, Miles Teller, Teller, you know, from, like, Whiplash and, uh, the kid, you know, that kid. Oh, no. Um, I no. liked him in Whiplash, but, um. I did like him in Whiplash. He's got a very. He's got uh, a punchable face. We all know this. I was going to say that, but yeah. it didn't feel right to say anymore. I don't know why. Why? I don't know. Same well, I mean, me. it's not quite as punchable of a face as Eddie Redmayne, but it's close. He's got a very punchable face after, uh, uh Eddie Redmayne. But, um, and that's fine. They're both fine actors. Um. So he's playing what the what I read, and maybe this is wrong because you know the internet couldn't be telling the truth. Yeah, he's playing Goose's grown son, and I'm just like, oh, that Top sounds Gun fucking too. Miles terrible. Set to play Goose's son. Oh, that sounds, Tom Cruise's protege. Sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> like I, that does not sound like something I want to watch. I don't want to hear different. these stories about... Uh, he looks like he's both lost weight in his face and buffed up for the movie. Well, and this movie was so weird, because this movie was supposed to come out last summer. It's shot two years ago. Like, it's been delayed uh, a bunch. It's coming out now in the fall, so... 
I don't know. It's been, you know, COVID's obviously, they don't want to put that thing out and, you know, they want to try to cash in as much as they can. So they're just pushing it down the line. Um, I would have thought they would have released it this summer because a lot of other things are coming out finally, but nope, we're waiting until November now for Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I don't know. Like, apparently they tried to, they were, they've been trying for years to make this, but then when Tony Scott died, it kind of really made it difficult, but I don't know. They've decided to go ahead and do it now. So here you go, Top Gun Maverick. What are you? What are you scowling at? I'm reading at? Uh, Roger Ebert's review. Okay. Is there anything that Roger says that we could commit what to would having us? Roger say. Oh, are you going to do this? See, I thought I was giving you an out, so you didn't do the segment. Not even have to do the song. So we don't have to pay the royalties. We don't have to pay the royalties on the song. <gasps> oh. What? The royalties. Oh, I, you you reacted like you read something surprising rather than just reacting to me delayed. No. I'm just going to read the last three sentences. Okay. Two sentences. The dogfights, as they're called. Yeah, they're called dogfights. I know this from playing Star Fox a lot. The dogfights are absolutely the best since Clint Eastwood's electrifying aerial scenes in Firefox. I don't think I've ever seen Firefox. I have not either. <laughs> Final sentence. But look out for the scenes where the people talk to one another. <laughs> yeah, I'm gave it like two and a half stars. Yeah, yeah that's about right. I mean, and he makes sure. a good point in his review where he's talking about like aerial scenes are tough because people lose lose their sense of space. Yes, and that is that's what's happening in the movie. I think uh, somewhat. I don't think they're entirely successful, personally, because you know, I mean, it it is weird. We're spoiled now. I mean, I think we've seen. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the CGI has aged in Independence Day, but, like, at least in that, like, when Will Smith is fighting Alien, it's like, well, Will Smith's in a fighter jet. Mm -hmm. Aliens are in an alien spaceship. Like, it's very easy to, like, follow that. (laughs) Yes, versus here, it's basically the people they're fighting are just black versions of the jet they're they're flying. Yeah, and then, you know, I think a couple years ago, Christopher Nolan had some pretty good aerial sequences in Dunkirk, um, so we've been spoiled there. Even Michael Bay pulled off a few good ones in that terrible Pearl Harbor movie during that yeah. sequence. I think for 1986, Top Gun pulled it off. Yeah, I mean, really it's well. just we've gotten better at it. Um, although I think both of the ones I meant, well, I don't know. Uh, Nolan is not CGI heavy, so I would imagine a lot of that was shot in camera. So, fun facts about flying in those airplanes, those jets. Okay. One way they convinced Tom Cruise to take the movie. Yeah. Do you know? They let him go on on a ride. They let him go up with the Blue Angels because okay. he was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do this movie. And then he flew with the Blue Angels, and they were, and uh, he had just come off of filming Legends, so he had like legend. his Legend, so he had his like long ponytail. Yeah. So I guess the pilots were like, "Who's this fucking Hollywood hippie?" So they're like, "Let's fuck him up." Yeah. So they did like as fast as they could and all the flips sure. and spins and shit. And so then when he got off, he was like, immediately like doing this movie. this is the first movie he rode a motorbike in too i guess a motorcycle yeah and uh you know he's done that like 90 times now second fun fact yeah uh goose was one of the only actors who did not throw up from flying in the jet oh, i think i read that yeah everybody else everybody throws up fun fact number three mm-hmm. not all the actors actually went up in the jets some of them refused and the peop the the consultants won't won't out them Oh, so I mean, it, yeah, that's funny. Probably Val Kilmer, huh? No, he did it. <laughs> no, I think he did it. I like Val Kilmer. I don't know why I'm trying to dog on him. Yeah, he's the best. Shut up. So what's funny is like you say this that they had to do this. Um, when they made when Jerry Brockheimer would go on to make Armageddon, um, there's a couple. They they had a lot of participation from NASA in that movie, which is 
sh- almost kind of shocking because of how ridiculous that movie is. Like they just like they got full participation from NASA to make this ridiculous movie another, to like, like tell not that like this is not at all how we would do any of this. But still, it's like I want to be an astronaut. Yeah, that looks pretty much cool. right. Recruitment. But even in that movie, I feel like they there's a couple scenes where they go and give them like like gravity yeah. so they put them in planes and fighter they go, jets they go up and then they drop down yeah. to give them the answer so i think it's bruce willis i think it's ben affleck do it and there's just scenes of them like barfing and stuff like that oh, yeah. um so that yeah there's this, this brockheimer fascination with uh continuing to work with the military to like fuck up actors is kind of funny I love it. <laughs> um yeah so yeah that that continues on into the the, the brockheimer uh world even mm-hmm. more um yeah, I don't know. Anything else about Tom uh, Tom Cruise and the uh, Top Gun Maverick or Top Gun? It's a terrible movie. But you like it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I want it to be I'm better. oddly ambivalent about it. I, yeah, I just I don't think, care. I mean, this is what I was telling you yesterday. I was like, I neither like like it nor hate it. I'm very apathetic about it. I'm I'm like, like, ah, yeah, it's just like, yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, that's Top Gun. I got it. Like, I I would get more excited to watch, like, a race car movie. It's that's like, the yeah. funny thing. Like Days of Thunder is like it's the same. Like it's that is that is Top Gun. Like yep. they're just trying to do it with race cars, right? And be- because I was like when that came out, I was like a little kid into like race cars, and I saw that movie when I was young, and I like went to the th- like my parents even let me see that in the theater and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like I like that movie. We've well, talked about that movie yes. on this podcast, and we- that movie is no better. Oh, no. than this. It's probably worse. But I'm just like but, I like that one. But <laughs> when you have a race, it's like neck and neck, and then there's like a fucking yeah winning moment. Well, and he gets like that's a movie where he gets like severely injured fairly early, and yeah. he's got to kind of battle back a little bit. Yeah, and that one you know that makes a little bit more. Yeah, there's more yeah. like yeah moments. Top Gun doesn't have enough of those <laughs> it just doesn't you're just like oh they're flying okay well, and what about this the end when tom cruise and robert duvall are racing each other on foot uh and freeze frame uh, that's, that's an oh yeah moment uh, fuck yeah they race each other that's what they do it's just very very amazing yeah <laughs> all right stop gun there's something i was gonna say oh no okay. <laughs> go ahead no it's fine what i was just saying like <laughs> I really love the Star Fox video game. <laughs> Damn it, Tyler. I'm just about spit taked on you. About choked on my tea. No, I'm just saying that like not I love that you were gonna say. I love Star Fox. <laughs> you know, it's a game that I um I didn't play a lot as a kid, but then my first dorm roommate in college had brought like his Nintendo or oh is it Sean? who's brought the was that maybe that was Sean. Um we played Star Fox a lot in there, right? It was amazing. And like our friend Simon like got obsessed with playing it, and I was like, you know, he was getting really good at it. It's so like, oh fuck yeah, I gotta get good too. Like if he's playing good, so we just played a ton, and then like that care. I mean, that carried on through then, but then like they eventually like put it out on like the Wii, and then mm-hmm. I got it. I have it on the DS, mm-hmm. uh, that original one. Like I don't know, they've tried to remake new ones, and they've never really caught them. And they've re they've remastered it. Like the version they remastered is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um. But, or it was, yeah, I don't know if it's, which one was the, this is Nintendo 64 or the, I think that's the good one, right? Or is it the, just the. Did you watch the Star Fox, the movie? No. I don't think that's the same thing. Oh, there's a Star Fox movie. Anyway, I'm just saying. CGI animated feature film made by Universal, Nintendo, and Franchise Pictures. Is it coming out or is it already out? Oh, it came out like 2015. What? I haven't even heard of this. I was going to say they should make a live. I want to see a. Wait, now I'm seeing 2023. Oh, they're going to make another one. All right. No, good. that's... But that's in a different language. Uh, that's confusing. Anyway, I want to see... Uh, I want to see some studio... 
throw $300 million <laughs> and lose it all to make a Star Fox live action CGI movie where they're animals and they're flying. Like, so- you know, do it like the Sonic style. Like, make it a little bit like animated, but, you know, it's live action otherwise. And then you need to get that fucking asshole Falco mm-hmm, talking mm-hmm. shit in your ear. You got Slippy screwing up all the time. He's just getting super annoyed with having to, like, rescue his ass constantly. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm all about getting that, uh, that Star Fox movie going. I, I would, uh, I don't know. Maybe I just have this expectation that all, uh, f- aerial fighting, uh, plane flying things should be like Star Fox and therefore Top Gun can't live up to it. Top Gun can't live up to much. Boom. Ooh, man, you're gonna get some hate this episode. Why? Some hate. People I, love Top Gun. No, they don't. Top Gun's I fine. I think they do. Who? I don't know. Name one person you know that loves Top Gun. I don't know anybody. My brother. You could have, that was an easy one. Uh. Fail. You suck. <laughs> All right. This has been I don't know anybody. a delightful episode of Old Millennials Remember I don't Movies, talk to anybody. Where we remembered <laughs> Top Gun as being a fine movie. I don't even, I'm totally ambivalent. Why are you talking so high? I don't know. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will talk at you another movie. Another Brockheimer movie. Summer of Brockheimer. Dun, dun, dun.